Welcome to the teaching ministry of Prophet Kevin Leon. Kevin has devoted his life to see the restoration of supernatural power in both the Word and the Spirit to this generation. Open your Bibles, open your hearts, as we join Kevin in one of his crusades from around the world. Everybody say this with me. Say, sin is spiritual. One more time. And so whenever we fall into sin, we're not going to erase or get that sin influence out of our life with something in the flesh. I can't do something natural to reverse the effects of something spiritual. Think about it. I can't do something naturally to reverse the effect of something spiritual. And because sin is spiritual, it takes a higher spiritual power to overcome sin. How many understand that taking drugs is a spiritual thing? Alcohol is a spiritual thing. Now, there's a physical source of the alcohol, but the reason you want to get drunk and get high to the excess is because something spiritually is out of sync with you. How many got that? So when you understand that, that sin is spiritual, and that if you don't understand the dynamics of how to walk in the spirit with Jesus Christ, You'll never overcome the effects of sin no matter how hard you try. Most churches preach behavior modification Christianity. Everybody say behavior Behavior. modification Modification. Christianity. Christianity. Biblical principles without spiritual power leads to perversion. I'm going to say it again. Biblical principles without spiritual power leads to a type of perversion. And if I have a lot of principles, but I have no power to live those principles, I'm going to begin to feel condemned. I'm not going to feel good about myself. I'm always going to say, you know what? I know what I should be doing. Whenever I do witnessing, I say, hey, do you go to church? They go, well, I go to XYZ Baptist Church, or I go to Catholic Church. My next question is, uh, is it a good church or a bad church? And they'll kind of go, well, are you a good person or a bad person? Are you a good Catholic or a bad Catholic? And they go, well, not as good as I should be. Then I say, well, how good should you be? And they have no answer. Because they have the knowledge of what I should do, but I don't have the power to do it. And one of the differences about this church is that they are a power church. They believe in spiritual power. They believe in Holy Ghost power. They believe in miracles, signs, wonders, prophecy, deliverance, praying in tongues. When Kevin in on tank all that. Oh, Jesus just wasted a bunch of pages putting it in the Bible then, Bubba. God didn't know what he was talking about. So we don't need tongues. We don't need miracles. We don't need deliverance. Everybody say, demons don't die. Demons don't die. They just recycle people. Say, demons don't die. They just recycle Christians. See, if you don't wear your armor, you can catch a demon. Say, well, you can catch a cold. We got the flu going around here. You got low resistance, and you get around somebody hacking and sneezing and spitting, <laughs> you may get it. So I'm telling you that this is something you have to understand, the nature of how this thing works. Everybody say sin is spiritual. spiritual. Now, the next thing is your identity is spiritual. 
Say, my identity, my identity. Is, spiritual. is spiritual. And see, your identity is designed by God to change. Your identity in your body, in your soul, was designed by God to change. How many know the scripture where it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, that we, as looking in a mirror, that's an image, go from glory to glory to glory to glory. Now, for some of you, that is church talk. So let me just give you the non-church version. We go from image to image to image to image. How many of you are over 30 years old? You've already done it. You were in the image of a baby. And you were in the image of an adolescent. Then you were the image of somebody in puberty. Then you went as a young adult. Then maybe you came to a married image. Then you were in a grandparent image. In the natural, you're going for image to image to image to image. Now, why is this so important? God designed your soul to be able to change. Say, my soul can change upward, and my soul can change downward. So if I can go from glory to glory to glory, I can go from perversion to perversion to perversion to perversion. See, if you couldn't go up, you couldn't go down. And some of you say, well, I, will, I, would, I would never do that. Look at those nasty people. I would never, oh, I would never sell my body. I would never be homeless. I would never be an alcoholic like that. Really? You really believe that? You think your willpower is stronger than the devil without Jesus Christ? You think your willpower is stronger than the devil without the Holy Ghost? Without the Holy Ghost, you can become something crazy and goofy. How many people here have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Say, scream as loud as you can. I'm saved. I'm saved. That's not as loud as you can. One more time. I'm saved. One more time. I'm saved. Now say, I'm saved from hell. Come on with the attitude. I'm saved for Now here's the big one. I'm being saved from what I could become. I'm being saved from what I could become. See, you got to understand decay is in the world system. Decay is in the world system. Everybody here, you live inside of time and space. Say, I live live inside inside of time and space. space. He said, well, Kevin, why do you make us repeat things? Because it's a teaching tool. Repetition is the mother of all learning. Most people going to churches, they will remember less than 2 or 3% of the entire message. So why would I want to do that? I'd rather say less and have you retain more than say more and have you retain less. Everybody say repetition Repetition. is the mother of all learning. learning. And so when you understand the dynamics of how God designed this thing to operate, you run to it. See, you're living inside of time and space. And so because you're inside of time and space, you're subject to all the laws in time and space. How many of you getting wrinkles around your eyes? How many getting gray hair? 
How many got that muffin top around your belly button right there? How many guys used to have a chest up here and now it's sunk down near your belt? Now, y'all know what I'm talking about. When your lung, your, your, your Bathsheba's were pointing straight, now they're looking down. And so that means you're trapped inside of time and space. And so the power of time and space is working in you. If I get a big red apple and take a bite out of it and put it on my kitchen counter and come back in 45 minutes, what's the white part going to look like? Why? Decay is in the atmosphere, time and space. Hello, you got this. So your soul is open to decay from time and space unless... I can reach beyond time and space and grab a hold of something eternal and pull it down inside of me and reverse the effects of time and space and decay. So you're not just being saved from hell. You're not just being saved from uh, the past. You're being saved of all the things you could become. That's why God hates self-righteous. He just hates that. Well, I'm not like you, and I'm not. Listen, Bubba, you get that big demon inside, you'll be crazy in a few minutes. <laughs> well, I would never be a heroin addict. Yeah, but you could sure take some medication. You could become a, a, an addiction to a pill. Yeah. You got that propensity inside of you. And so we have to keep maintenance. Everybody say, Holy Ghost hormones. Come on, say, Holy Ghost hormones. Well, I don't need to go to organized church. I, you know, I can worship Jesus by myself. Really? Do you know there's some things you will never get outside of being in God's body? That's why he said every joint supplies. He didn't say the Holy Ghost is going to supply everything. See, there's some things the Holy Ghost won't do because he puts you in a body. Holy Ghost can't hug you with physical arms. Now, somebody can be anointed by the Holy Ghost, but we got to use their arms. Now, the reason this is so important, this church is about to do a long series or themes about marriage and family. And if I teach on marriage and family, and you don't understand the dynamics of sin is spiritual and getting rid of shame and condemnation, I don't care how much you preach on family, love, all the right principles, your marriage is going to stink. You're not going to be able to produce what you want to produce. Because marriage is spiritual. Somebody say marriage is spiritual. spiritual. Say family is spiritual. spiritual. And so the world is trying to maintain something that God designed to be spiritual with flesh stuff. There's a guy on television named Dr. Phil. I don't know if he's a real doctor or not, but he sure talks a lot. (laughs) And and he's kind of a Texas guy and he gets these dysfunctional people. Let me tell you what, Bubba, you need to do this and that and this and that and this is your problem. Dr. Phil can identify, Dr. Phil can clarify, but Dr. Phil cannot glorify. So a human counselor can only take you so far. A human marriage counselor can only take you so far. Well, I just came back from the counselor. I found out I'm a jerk. (laughs) Your friends could have saved you $150 and told you that right away, right now.
Well, the counselor told me is because I hate my daddy. That's why I hate everybody else. Okay, now we got identity. Now we got clarification. But now I need to be glorified. And that's what these teachings are about, to glorify the individual so that you can live in a marriage, so that you can live in a family, so you can learn how to live inside of time and space with eternity. Say, my identity... Is changeable. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse seventeen and eighteen. You know, sometimes when we read the Bible, we just blast through it, but we don't study it. We don't eat it like food. The Bible talks about meditating on the word. That means you think about it, you roll it in your mind, you ponder the effects of this word. It says, "Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty or freedom." How many want freedom here? All right, everybody wants freedom. But if you don't have freedom with boundaries, you won't have freedom. You have anarchy. You'll have anarchy. You're a design and a design and a design and a design. And if I breach the boundaries of my design, everything starts falling apart. Look at verse 18. But we with all unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory or the image of the Lord, we are being transformed into what kind of image? Another image or the same image? You know why? Because we're made in his image. And so when you get past chapter 3 of the book of Genesis, the entire Bible is restoration. First two chapters, that was God's plan. Everything else is restoration. Everybody's being restored. Now, some people fall deeper and further down than other people. And so it takes a little bit more work for you to get restored. Some people stop at restoring themselves at restoration, self-righteousness. But he says, you can only be restored by looking in the spiritual mirror and you go from glory to glory, image to image, just as by what? The spirit of the counselor, the spirit of principles, the spirit of self-will. I am being transformed by the Spirit of the Lord. Say, I will be transformed by the Spirit of the Lord. Now look at verse 17 again. It says that where the Lord is, there's liberty. That's kind of written the wrong way. It should be this. Where we make Jesus Lord, there and only where we make him Lord will there be liberty. Some of you have been going to church for decades and there's been some presence in the churches. But you're not being transformed because you never made Jesus Lord. You made Jesus your Savior. Save me, Jesus, from hell. And I'll stay the way I am and irritate everybody for the next 50 years. (laughs) But when you make him Lord, the spirit now begins to put you back on the design. You know, I told a girl the other day, I says, you're not beautiful, but you're not ugly. But what you're really missing and what everybody's missing is that divine spark inside of you that when I'm so connected to Jesus with transparency that when I walk in a room, I sparkle, I bubble. People see who I am. That's what people are looking for. That's what connects us. Because I don't care how good you look. Your skin going to get old. Oh, yeah, come on. Y'all know what I'm talking about. 
Some people look good at 25 and horrible at 35. See, under 40, you get the face that God gave you. But over 40, you get the face that's been what's inside of your spirit. Because your spirit, your attitude shape your face, your muscles. Some people got ugly resting face. Come on, say ugly resting face. When they're not thinking about anything like, my God, that's an ugly person. A number of years ago, I had a lady that was an older lady in our life. And she would just had ugly resting face. She was just mean and ugly. She was in her late 70s, just like, man, you rough looking. And she died. And they had her in the funeral home. We went to the viewing. When I looked in the casket, I was shocked. I went, huh, you look better dead than alive. Because the spirit that was contorting her face was gone. Say, sin is spiritual. One more time. And so whenever we fall into sin, we're not going to erase or get that sin influence out of our life with something in the flesh. I can't do something natural to reverse the effects of something spiritual. And because sin is spiritual, it takes a higher spiritual power to overcome sin. But when you get the Holy Ghost, you can look like an egg with legs. Come on. But God says, oh, you glorious. You beautiful. There's, there's something about you. Does anybody hear what I'm saying? See, when you smile with the Holy Ghost, you lighten up everything inside of you. So we are transformed from glory to glory to glory. And how does that happen? We have continual glory experiences. See, the glory experiences you had 25 years ago, they're in your memory banks, but they're not affecting you right now. That steak you ate four years ago is not affecting you right now. I got to have continual diet. I got to have daily bread. Somebody say daily bread. I got to have the communion of the rest of the body. I got to be in a body. Let me just say that if you don't have a local church, you are out of the will of God. Now, you're not out of the love of God. I want to make that clear. You're not out of the love of God if you're not part of a local church. But you are out of the will of God. God never designed that you go through this journey by yourself. Never. You know, the Bible was written by nomadic people to a nomadic people. And you know what happens if you're alone in the desert? You die. You break your leg in the desert, you die. We're going through a journey. We're going through a journey. And if you don't have people to help you in the journey, you will die. You won't always be strong. You won't always be the one that is in control. Well, I got a lot of money now. I got good job. Hey, yeah, but what's going to happen next year? Somebody can embezzle money from your company. You can get some kind of disease. So you were designed to be in a tribe. You were designed to be in a family. And don't make your nuclear family it. Us four, no more. Me and God, shut the door. That's it. That's all. <laughs> no, God designed that you be an expanded family. 
Because if you don't have an expanded family, you'll get inbred. You begin to measure everything by yourself. I love the complexion of this congregation. We got some white, got some snow whites, got some pecan tan, got some butter pecan. Got some brown sugars. Got some deep mahoganies. This is what the family of God looks like. You need the other people to pull you out of being introverted. Stuck in yourself. Most people are living in shame's condemnation. The majority of you in this part of the world either came from Roman Catholicism or some kind of Baptist belief. Some kind of Baptist belief. There's a lot of Pentecostal, but it's more Baptist and it's more Roman Catholic. Now, why is that important? Without the Holy Ghost, if you've been a regular tender to any of those two things, you've been going inside of a shame machine probably for 20 or 30 years. Because if I give you principles and rules but no power, you're full of shame. You're ate up with shame. And some of it's false shame. Now, you can be a Christian and be a Catholic. You can be a born-again Catholic. But the majority of people in Catholic churches, they never had an experience with God. They don't read their Bibles. Do you read your Bible? No, I don't read my Bible. I don't see the need for it. Oh, I know why you don't read your Bible. Well, you do? Yes. Dead men don't eat. Everybody say, dead men don't eat. Everybody say, dead men don't eat. If you are not reading your Bible, you need to question if you're alive or not. Or maybe you're a mental midget. You don't need very much. I just, one scripture every three or four days, I'm a little bird faith. If you're around Baptists, a lot of times you've been around a shame machine. You ought to, you ought to, you ought to, but no power. You know, I was raised Catholic, and I was back in the 50s, and they said, if you eat meat on Friday, you committed a sin. All my growing up years, you can't eat meat on Friday. And I remember the ball game, 17 years old, went to McDonald's after the game. All my friends said, cheeseburger, fry, and a Coke. (laughs) Cheeseburger, fry, and a Coke. I just lost it. (laughs) Somehow I went secular. (laughs) I lost my Catholic spirituality. I, I said, Cheeseburger, fry, and a Coke. <laughs> I fell from grace. I, I, I fell from grace. Cheeseburger, fry, and a Coke. <laughs> and I had that cheeseburger in my mouth. And I was just chewing. And somebody said, hey, aren't you a Catholic? And I went, and I spit that cheeseburger. I went, Because I thought I was spitting sit under my mouth. What I was spitting was Condemnation. And I remember when I first read this scripture in Colossians, let no man judge you about food and drink. My first response was, I could have had a cheeseburger. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, I could have had a cheeseburger. <laughs> and the reason I'm making fun of it is because every Church, every religion has places of false condemnation and shame. Trying to get you to do stuff that God never said. 
Like they got some denominations, women can't wear makeup. No makeup. Mary Kay is the devil herself. <laughs> Revlon is a witch. Oh, yeah. My wife was raised that way. No earrings, no bling bling. My wife was told you can't wear earrings, you can't wear anything shiny. But I want you to report. My wife has got revenge. She's bling, 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 bling. <laughs> My wife loved bling, bling so much. She put bling, bling on her dogs. Dogs run around. I got bling, bling. I got bling, bling. <laughs> she got revenge. You couldn't cut your hair because hair was a woman's glory. Now, how they got hair being woman's glory, you can't cut it. I was in a Spanish Pentecostal church one time in New Jersey, and this little skinny lady, I mean, she was like a stick, but she had that Latin hair that's real thick, like a horsetail. And it was piled way up on her hair because all the way down to her ankle. I mean, actually, her hair was dragging the floor. And she said, Prophet Kevin, will you pray for me? I said, why? She goes, I've got neck problems. <laughs> I says, neck problems? You got that little old pencil neck with eight pounds of head going sideways like this? You don't need a miracle. You need a hairdresser and a chiropractor. <laughs> the whole earth is under sin consciousness. We're more conscious of our sin than we are of his redemption. And that can only happen by the Holy Ghost. You ask any beautiful woman, any handsome man, what is your most unattractive feature? I don't care how beautiful that is. I said, my feet. I hate my feet. My nose. Hate my ears. Got hobbit ears. Got big hobbit ears. Got Star Trek ears. I hate my ears. <laughs> but there's some of them I don't like. Why? They're conscious of their flaws. They're conscious of what's not right inside of them. That's called sin consciousness. That's the result of the fall. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6 down to verse 12. We want to see the origination of the shame thing. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. They made themselves coverings. Now, you may not put any kind of vegetation to cover yourself, but you got some kind of fig leaf story. Right. Somebody say fig leaf story. Fig leaf story. Say fig leaf story. fig leaf story. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Now, let me just say this. God, the father is a spirit, so he didn't walk like this. It had to be Jesus, the pre-incarnate Christ walking in the garden. And look what happened. Adam and his wife, what did they do? They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. They said, Let's just, we can blend in. We got camel on. We can camouflage ourselves. God won't check us out. And the Lord God called to Adam and he says, where are you? The actual Hebrew says, how did you get here? When you want to get people to come to light, ask them how they got here. Now, you're 42 years old. Got a college degree and you're broke. How did you get here? You're on your third marriage and it's like you married the same person in different bodies. How did that happen? 
How can you keep marrying serial alcoholics? When you ask those kind of questions, illumination comes. And so he said, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commend you should not eat? Then the man said, the woman who you gave me to be with, she gave me the tree from the tree and I ate. Notice he said, who told you you were naked? I want you to see how slick this, this camouflage story is. Look at verse 11 again. God says, who told you that you were naked? And then he asked a direct question. Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you should not eat from? And the man said, the woman you gave me to be with, she gave me from the tree and I ate. But he never answered the question, who told you you were naked? Who told you he was naked? And he comes with a sideways question. His answer is, uh, it didn't make any sense what he says. He says, who told you he was naked? Um, um, then he blames the woman. Everybody say shame. shame. Always blames. Always shame. shame. Always, blames. Always blames. Now, why is this so critical? Notice that after they ate from the forbidden fruit, it wasn't just the action. They devoured a new nature. They got a new nature. They left son and daughter. Now they're in an animal nature. Now they're hiding themselves. Now, why is this so critical? You can be in a marriage and still hiding. You can be intimate with your partner and still be hiding. You can come up with all kind of cover stories for everything you're doing. But really what you're doing is you're hiding. You're hiding. You know, I used to think the stronger the anointing, the greater the glory, the quicker the conversion. And I had meetings like last night. People were just totally touched by the spirit. And they quit coming to church. When I was in town, they said, well, I don't want to come in Kevin's in town. Kevin scares me. He, he creeps me out. He just, oh, I, I, I. but the problem was, it wasn't Kevin. It was their sin, shame consciousness. And there was so much presence in the room. They became conscious of their nakedness and their lack of righteousness. And they blame me as a source. See, there's sometimes when you get people who really are spirit filled and they want to pull you into counseling and they want to pull you into a relationship, you freak out. As long as you can have a distant, hey, buddy, how you doing? But don't let them ask you some personal naked questions. Don't let them ask you some questions about your family, your relationships. Oh, who do you think you are? Why are you asking questions like this? No, you're hiding. And you can't have family when you're hiding. Say, you can't have family, can't have family. When, you're when you're hiding. You can't have marriage, you can't have marriage. When, you're when you're hiding. You can't have team, you can't have team. When, you're when you're hiding. You can't have church, you can't have church. When, you're when you're hiding. And God said, I got to deal with this shame thing inside of all of us. Everybody has a degree of shame. Most people develop a little safe place. It's their happy places. It's their comfort zone. And inside their comfort zone, they're okay. I don't have any issues. I don't, I don't have any shame. But you take one step outside of your comfort zone called the unknown. Oh, my God, you're panicking. You're, you know, ask you to do something you never did before. You're like, ah, I don't know if I can do it. Ah. See, inside your comfort zone, you dealt with all those issues. It's safe inside the comfort zone. But the problem with your comfort zone is very small. Hear me. You cannot fulfill your destiny inside of your comfort zone. 
You cannot fulfill your calling inside your comfort zone. You cannot grow in your marriage inside your comfort zone. There's some people. We don't need the Holy Ghost because the church they go to is predictable. The pastor, well, you know, we got to let everybody out by 12 o'clock. Why? Well, because they'll leave automatically. You know why? Because they're not spiritual people. They're performing a ritual. Now, here's what you have to understand. Unless you have a foundation of God's definition of righteousness, shame has an open door in and out of your life. I'm going to say it again. Unless you have a biblical understanding of what God calls righteousness, you have an open door for shame, condemnation, dysfunction to walk in and out of your life. Let me show you a couple of scriptures. Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. He said, I say unto you, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of God. Say, my righteousness, my righteousness must, exceed must exceed the scribes and the Pharisees. They kept every single rule that they could. And they became religious policemen to enforce it with everybody else. He said, this is the kind of righteousness is going to get you pleasing to God. Let me give you the five kinds of righteousness. You can write them down. Number one is works righteousness. I'm going to work so hard, I'm going to be accepted by the Lord. Whenever people say, I'm a good person, that's why I'm going to go to heaven, that's works righteousness. When they begin to say, I did this, I do this, I did this, I give to the poor, that's not righteousness. That's works. Number two. Ritual righteousness. Ritual righteousness. I go to some kind of ritual. I went to the service. I stood up, knelt down, crossed myself, dipped my hand in the holy water, went to a Baptist tradition, whatever it is, and now I'm righteous because I've been to church. No, you're not. If you sleep in a garage, it doesn't make you a car. <laughs> Just because you go into a church, but it doesn't make you a Christian. Number three, religious righteousness. You got a set of mores or a set of doctrines. I live up to these doctrines and therefore I am righteous, religious righteousness. And then the one that most millennials have, the people under 35, self-righteousness. They just make up a series of righteousness. I buy fair trade coffee. They pay people a living wage. I, I love the ecology. I, I love the environment. I'm righteous. They just make up righteousness. I'm a good person. Yeah, I don't hurt anybody. I didn't kill that many people. I just smoke weed. I don't get to the hard stuff. I'm righteous. It's called self-righteousness. And the only kind of righteousness that God receives is faith righteousness. That all of my righteousness is rolled over to Jesus Christ. I don't have works righteousness. I don't have ritual righteousness. I don't have self-righteousness. I have Christ righteousness. I said, I'm guilty, Lord, but I'm in Christ. Only by his life, only by his blood. And see, if you're trying to get the promises of God to work for you outside of being in Christ... That's why it's so hard to believe. See, God's blessing is not because of our job, because we're in Christ. Somebody say, in Christ. Come on, just raise your hands. 
and say, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit teach, me your righteousness. teach me your righteousness. Show me your righteousness. Show me your righteousness. If, I have if I have works righteousness, ritual righteousness, ritual righteousness. religious righteousness, righteousness. self righteousness, reveal it to me and get me in your righteousness. Now, you may be here not born again. I'm going to have a, a corporate prayer. Just say it with me. Will you do that? Say, Jesus, Jesus I, am I am a spiritual criminal. Spiritual criminal. I've, broken heart, I've broken your heart and broken your law. I know I am guilty because my own heart tells me I'm guilty. But today I look to the cross. Your blood, your sacrifice. As my only means of righteousness. Be my Savior, Jesus. Be my Lord. Come in my life. In an instant, he'll do that. Faster than the transaction when you put your credit card at a gas pump. If you say the prayer, it's done. Close your eyes. When I count to three, a full-grown Jesus is going to stand in your heart right now. One, two, three. He's standing up in you right now. He's putting his hands in your hands, his eyes in your eyes, his legs in your legs, his head in your head, his desires in your desires, his passion inside your passion. Today, you're saved. There's an angel writing your name in a book of life. With this date, with this location, today you are saved. Begin to thank God for your salvation. Begin to thank God that he saved you from becoming what you could have become. He stopped the decay process inside your soul. Now ask for power to live God's principles. Ask for power to live God's principles. Now repetition is the mother of all learning. And you see when you read the Bible, a lot of repetition. Proverbs, a lot of the same kind of Proverbs in different chapters. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's basically the same story repeated. Why? Repetition is the mother of all learning. That's how you learn. And if you go, well, I've heard it before, you got to understand that the Holy Spirit will unpack what you're hearing over and over and over. So we're going to repeat some things by designing this message. Everybody say, sin is spiritual. spiritual. Say it again. So if I want to overcome sin, I can't overcome sin by some human method. I've got to have something more spiritual to overcome sin in my life. And so that's why God raised his church up to teach you how to be spiritual to overcome sin issues. Your identity is spiritual. Say, my identity identity is spiritual. spiritual. Say it again. Say, my identity identity is is spiritual. How many see yourself different now if you're 35 than you did when you were 13? You see the world and your capacities and different things, you see them different. Maybe you had some things happen to you at 13, but now you're 35. And how you interpret those things is even different. That's because your identity is evolving and growing, and that's how God designed it. See, your identity is changeable. It's changeable for the good, and it's changeable for the bad. See, if your identity couldn't change, it couldn't grow, you couldn't go from glory to glory to glory to glory. And God's design is that you grow up into him. 
that you know more about him. You experience more about him. Listen to me very carefully. But the same capacity to go up also means that your identity can go down. Say, my identity identity is spiritual. spiritual. Say, my identity identity is spiritual. spiritual. You see, we were made in God's image and likeness. His image is his capacity. His likeness is his nature and his character. Your image is your ability to remember, to have senses, to taste, to feel, to know, to understand. Your likeness, when it's like God, is his character and his nature. So originally men were in his glory and his image, his likeness and his image. But then they fell into sin. And so the first two chapters of the Bible describes the ideal situation that God put man into. But in chapter 3, men fell. I'm going to ask you a question. How far did man fall? Somebody says all the way. What's all the way? How far did they fall? Because if you don't know how far you fell, you don't understand the journey to come back to where you fell from. You know where you fell to? Animal nature. On the sixth day, God made man. But also on the sixth day, God made animals. See, I don't believe in evolution, but I understand God's a designer. So basically, they took mammals, upgraded the brain, many other things, and he breathed into man. We have a mammal-like system. And so people who don't know God think we came from monkeys. You know, your grandfather was a monkey. And we laugh about it, but they really think that. My ancient species I came from was a monkey. No, you weren't. But God took the same mammal systems, upgraded them. But the difference between man and mammals is he breathed into man. Everybody go. He breathed into man. So what's the difference between mammals and man? The breath of God. So what happens when you lose the breath of God? Uh, Come on, slow thinkers. What happens when you lose the breath of God? You revert to animal nature. So our journey is from animal to son. Our journey is from animal to daughter. Is anybody hearing this yet? And so if we don't start with the breath of God in the journey, we'll just be domesticated animals. Every marriage problem has got some animal in it. Oh, it's quiet in this house. Every marriage split has got some animal in it. Well, that's another message, but let me go on. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 and 18 talks once again about going from glory to glory. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. No liberty without lordship. Everybody say, no liberty, no liberty. without lordship. lordship. Everybody say, no liberty, no liberty. without lordship. But we with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of God or the image of God, are being transformed to the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So how many glories are there? It says two here, glory to glory. How many glories are there? It's infinite. Because God is infinite. You're going to live forever. You will exist in some form forever. You will always be you forever. You will always be you forever. If you go to heaven, you have all your memories, all your senses. 
If you go to hell, you have all your memories, all your senses. But you will be you forever. And so you can take the word from glory to glory to glory, and you can just keep on saying it forever. That's a paradigm. So if you can go up in the glory, you can go down in perversion. See, if I can go up in the glory, I can go down in perversion. But it's got to be a spiritual transformation. It just can't be education. Because of education, it can transform you and change you to a better person. The people with the most education should be the nicest people. And they're not. They're not. They're cultured, but they're criminals. And so you've got to have continual glory experiences. Somebody say continual. Continual. Glory experiences. Continual. Glory experiences. And so we have a lot of churches with explanation, but no manifestation. And what happens with people who have never experienced this, they don't even know they're missing it. They just get more education. But it doesn't change you in the glory. Your identity was designed by God to be constantly changing. Say, my identity identity is spiritual. spiritual. Say, my identity identity is spiritual. spiritual. Let me show you the downside of it. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 to the end of the chapter. Now, the reason you have to understand this is that if you don't desperately understand your need for the body of Christ, you just don't need your natural family. Well, I just want to be us four no more. Glory to God and shut the door. We can't do that. Because that would mean that everybody in your family is all you need for your development. What if you got a non-Bible reading daddy? A pill-popping ding-dong mama? Well, I just want to be in my little family, my little club. Us four, no more. Glory to God, shut the door. No, 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 no. God designed that you be in a family, in a tribe. And what makes this family, what makes this tribe... Is that you got to have the nature of a father, the nature of a mother, the nature of a brother, the nature of a sister. You got to have that nature. The kingdom of God is nature driven. And so watch what happens when you exchange the glory of God for the glory of man. You'll see the transformation. You'll see it. Say, my identity, my identity is spiritual. spiritual. Say, my identity, my identity is spiritual. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Now, notice the word shame. Because when shame comes into your soul, transformation is impossible. Everybody say, when shame comes in my soul, soul, spiritual transformation transformation is impossible. impossible. For he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. All the gospel. Tongues, prophecy, miracles, teaching, offerings, all of it. Well, I just want to go to heaven. Well, you're not going to be transformed, buddy. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Look at that. Who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Who suppress the truth in in unrighteousness. See, if I can go up in the glory, I can go down in perversion. See, if I can go up in the glory, I can go down in perversion. 
The first move to transform you has to be a moral move of God. That's why the Ten Commandments came first. The Ten Commandments are spiritual. The law is spiritual. They're morals. The first four are about your relationship to God. The bottom six of the Ten Commandments are your relationship to man. Here's what you have to understand. If I don't keep the top four, it's impossible to keep the bottom six. If I don't keep the top four, it's impossible to keep the bottom six. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Then love yourself. And then at the end, love your neighbor. See, when you see mean people, grouchy people, what you have to understand, that's how they treat themselves. Because you love or treat your neighbor the way you treat yourself on the inside. So when you see somebody mean, say, man, you must be a miserable human being on the inside of you. So you can go up or down. And everybody here is either progressing up or you're progressing down. See, if I can go up in the glory, I can go down in perversion. See, if I can go up in the glory, I can go down in perversion. And you need the entire whole body because the Bible said in Ephesians, every joint of the body supplies. Our prayer and heart's desire is that today's message has caused you to see Jesus more clearly, causing you to become a better disciple, walking in both wisdom and power in your generation. For further information about Kevin's ministry, books, tapes, or to have him come to your church or conference, call or write Key Ministries, Post Office Box 10357, Pensacola, Florida, 32524, or on the web at com. You can call our offices at 850-475-8877. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will water this word and cause it to grow in your life.